problem of evil. This is really, for me, the, the, one of the big ones. And I'm putting it on number three. Problem of evil is, okay, <clears throat> you have a God who's all good and all powerful. It seems like this combination of attributes would mean we live in a world where there aren't, let's say, where children don't get bone cancer. We would live in a world where there aren't school shootings, right? All right, so how do people respond to this? Well, generally, in most Protestantism, the response is something of a free will defense, right? Where they will say, well, listen, free will is something to be valued, right? For example, um, if you had a, a, a spouse and they loved you because you, they, you gave them a love potion, that seems less valuable than if they loved you because they got to know you and over time they just thought you were amazing and they, right? One just seems more valuable than the other. Even though both are love, the love potion version just seems less powerful. And in the same way, you can say that, hey, sure, God could make us love him. And it would be okay, nothing wrong with that, but it would just be less valuable than us freely choosing to love him. And that's an intuition that I agree with. I think that's completely right. But, my, but then they try and draw that all the way to trying to explain how evil in this world happens. And that's where I find it very difficult is, okay, so the first thing they'll say is, if God was to <clears throat> stop people from doing evil things, we would no longer have free will. And we would be losing the good of the ability to choose to love God. Okay. Well, hold on. Hold, hold, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I don't know where this idea came from. You, you had me on board when you had free will, but then you took it to some bizarre extreme. So let me just clarify what I mean by valuing free will. Okay, let's take the spouse idea, right? Let's go back to the spouse. I want my spouse to love me freely. And that means not using a love potion on her. Right? But let's imagine that my spouse, you know, is on, she had a surgery and she had these drugs that reacted really badly with her. And for some reason they made her temporarily psychotic and she got hold of a gun and was going to shoot somebody. Right? I would do everything I could to, to stop her. I would try and prevent her from having free will in that moment because I'd be like, you don't want to do this. We can't let them die. You can't go to prison. I would physically try and stop her. Or another example, let's say I had a son, right? I would want him to freely love me. But if he's going to, you know, go try and murder someone, I would do everything I can to stop him. So what does that say? Well, it says that we value free will in certain aspects, liberty in certain things, but not across the board. Another example, United States, we value liberty. You can say whatever you want, right? You can be whoever you want. You can do all these different things. But there are still restrictions that we say, actually, you can't do this. You can't go into someone's house and take everything they own. Those are things we're going to try and prevent you from doing. So what is my point here? My point here is that I don't, free will is not all or nothing, right? You have a set of things you can do and a set of things you can't do. That's what, as society, we try and enforce. And freedom is just, hey, you know, certain things we think you should be free to do. You should be free to choose who to marry. You should be free to choose what to eat. But you shouldn't be free to choose whether or not you want to go shoot a school full of children. That's obvious. So why is it 
that God grant has this freedom because freedom's good for the purposes of choosing to love him, but still also gives us the freedom to do a school shooting. Why, why not just not have that freedom? And if you're going to say, well, if God gets rid of run freedom, you get rid of them all, I'd go, Who's, where does that come from? Is anything like that true in real life? Is there any real-life metaphor you can point me to where because there's one law, it means that the civilians of the United States are no longer free? I don't get it. I don't get that. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. All right, now, now second point on that. Here's a completely different way to tackle that, which I think is also valid. It's like the school shooting example, right? God doesn't have to go in and change the person's mind. He can just stop the firing pin on the AR-15 from working. Right? Most Christians believe God intervenes supernaturally. For example, Christian, Christian moms and Christian aunts love to share articles about, oh my goodness, you know, I was going to go into a car, car crash was about to hit me, but then, you know, mysteriously, this, the, the, the wheels turned by themselves and I got saved. So most Christians believe God does intervene in this way. And most Christians would not say that that's messing with your free will, right? If God physically shifts the steering wheel of your car, your free will is still intact. Right? And so why doesn't God stop the firing pin on the AR-15? Well, uh, there's not really much of an answer. Right? So again, I think there's two reasons. One, I think free will is not all or nothing. Two, stopping tragedies like firing pins and bone cancer uh, is not preventing free will. And if it is preventing free will, then either God never intervenes miraculously or God does prevent free will all the time by his miraculous interventions. Okay. Now there's one other way people will, will talk about this besides the free will response. They will say things like, you know, well, God is letting the school children die so that, so that more people will go to heaven, right? So imagine the scenario where we're doing math. We have the number of people saved. Let's just say it's a billion. Turns out that if, if this school shooting doesn't happen, it's gonna stay at a billion. But if it does happen, it's gonna go up to a billion and 100,000 or a billion and 200,000, right? So that's why God allows the school shooting. Now here's the issue. We are, we are leaving the dilemma. The, remember the dilemma is all good and all powerful. You're now saying, that God is constrained. God is constrained in that if he wants to save a hundred, a billion and 200,000 people, the only way he can do it is by this school shooting happening. And I would just say, well, okay, that works. That's legit, but you, you just lose all powerful, right? And I think that actually totally makes sense. The evil is totally consistent and logical and great and as long as God's not all powerful. But at the point where you have to affirm that he's both all-powerful and all-good, you can't add these constraints on him. You can't imagine that he only has these two options and they both are bad, <laughs> right? Then he's all-powerful. This is a similar dilemma to what, to what Calvinists have. Calvinists have this dilemma where on Calvinism, God could save everyone but chooses not to. And then you ask them, well, why? 
isn't he just cruel? And they go, well, here's a metaphor, right? Winston Churchill had, um, they had cracked the Enigma code. They had the Enigma machine. They were getting messages and they got a message that a British town was about to be bombed. Now, here's the thing. Winston Churchill chose not to evacuate the town. It got bombed. Many people died. Why didn't he evacuate the town? Well, he knew that if it was to evacuate the town and the German bombers were to fly over and look down and see the town was evacuated, they wouldn't bomb. And they would go, oh my gosh, the Enigma code has been cracked. They would make a new code and then England wouldn't be able to get that information. And, you know, they would... I guess the idea is it would trickle down to them losing the war because they don't have this code. Rather, Winston Churchill said, hey, listen, I gotta, I gotta keep this code. We gotta, we gotta hide the fact that we know this and just slowly use it as an advantage to win the war in the long term because it's close. This war's close. We need every advantage we can take. So if I have to take on some casualties to do that, hey, I'll do it. It's a nice story. Now, here's the problem, though. The only reason that story makes sense is because Winston Churchill isn't all-powerful. If he was all-powerful, would he let the Germans bomb his town? No, he would, just, he would just stop the Nazis by snapping his fingers. So to try and think that applies to God, again, you're losing the all-powerful aspect. And that's what I think happens with the problem of evil. Is you have to say God, for problem of evil's work, you have to say either free will, or you have to say, well, listen, God has these other constraints, right? You see, you see, God has this constraint where he, he only has two options to do this. And one, and, you know, one involves school shooting and the other one involves less saved. It's the only way he can do it. And you go, well, then he's not all-powerful. Like, what does it mean to say he's all-powerful if, if he only has, only has two options and one of them involves school shootings and the other one involves 200,000 people not being saved? It just seems that the world we live in it's a world where good and bad things happen just like sort of randomly, right? They just, they just happen. And there's not an all-powerful, all-good being making things good happen. I mean, right? Doesn't that work? Doesn't it just seem like when there's a school shooting, it's because people are just crazy? And there's nobody there to stop them? When a kid gets bone cancer, doesn't it seem like we just, we live in this world where, you know, I don't know the science of it, cancer just happens and it doesn't care. Doesn't that just seem to fit better? It does to me. Or that there's a God who's not all-powerful, which is kind of what I lean towards. I lean towards the idea that there's a God who's not all-powerful. Um, now there's one final thing to point out here, which is a common response to someone getting this far in the argument. When someone like me gets this far in the argument, a Christian often will say, well, what do you really mean by evil? And how, how, can, how can evil exist on a secular view, right? And I would say by the word evil, I mean the English definition of the word evil. I mean what, what I understand people to mean when they say evil. If, that's, if you don't know what I mean, like, I can't help you there. It's just... That's just vocabulary that the world uses. And, you know, you know what you mean or you don't. I, I sure certainly could explain it to you. Now, if they would go further and say, well, you can't have evil on 
a non-Christian worldview, again, I'm going to go back to my initial video, which is I have read books on metaethics. And it's just every single answer is incredibly unconvincing. They all just seem like people, you know, theorizing about something we'll just, we, we're not equipped to know about. Right? And furthermore, it's a bold claim to say that all the medical ethic, meta-ethical views fail except for, you know, this specific one, which is uh, divine command theory or whatever theistic-based ethic you choose. Number one, I don't find meta-ethics to be anything, you know, compelling or convincing. I just, a meta-ethical argument to me is just like, okay, whatever. Like, words, cool. You've played a little game with yourself, nice. You know? It's like a little riddle. But the idea that I'm going to, you know, one argument either way is going to mean anything to me, it's just, it's just, it just doesn't work. And I don't think people should be convinced by it. I think it's fun if you're a professional philosopher, if you're an academic, and you like to argue to put together little arguments about your little view on metaethics and yada yada. But it's just, it's not, this isn't a real world thing, this whole concept of, well, the objective binding of the metaphysical goodness does it exist in a platonic sense where it's in its own demand or does it exist by the it's like none of this you're just saying words this is just you know so um that's what i would say and you know obviously there are many 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 secular metaethical approaches there, there's there's more than there are theistic so to say there's no for a christian to say that christianity is the only metaethical approach that works you're you're just I mean, it's just such a bold <laughs> statement, right? You're saying, hey, I've looked at 20 meta-ethical views, secular, none of them work. And it's like, I, I just don't find that convincing. So that's uh, Problem of Free Will. It's kind of a bummer episode, honestly. It is, it is a little bit of a downer because it kind of gives a, a sad view of the world. But, um, you know, I would say it's uh, sad either way. So 